welcome to Bottomless Rugby, the home of boys, brews and sports balls. This is the main event hosted by Dr. Dup and Kaya. We touch on the hot topic of the week, hear from the man on the street and pick a boykey of the week. If you are a new listener, welcome to the Bottomless Rugby Network with multiple podcasts released every week. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services. This is part two of our interview that we are having with Simon Blakely, actor who played Ola Brown in the movie Invictus. Before we jump into part two of this interview, a quick check-in on this weekend's matches. So, round two of the Super Rugby Aotearoa was another weekend of exciting matches that took place. Uh, let me just give a quick overview of the two. Uh, the first match on Saturday, the Chiefs versus the Blues. The Blues won that match 24-12. Um, I called it. Uh, I did say the Blues were overdue for a win in Hamilton. The last time before this that they won there was in 2011. This Blues side looks pretty good. I think they are contenders for this competition. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing them be consistent. Well, it's been five, five matches, six matches in a row now. So I'm definitely interested to see how that is going to go forward. The second match, the Sunday match, was the Hurricanes versus the Crusaders. Crusaders won that match 39-25. Um, the scoreline is a bit flattering, I must say, but at the same time, the Hurricanes only scored one try. So, yeah, well-deserved to the Crusaders. They are clinical as ever. They Any opportunity that they get, they turn it into points. I think they are favorites for this competition and so far it seems that it's going to be between them and the Blues to contest for that final. They're definitely looking forward to see if anyone is able to to put up some resistance to the Crusaders. So that's the that's the check-in of the two matches for this weekend. We're going to jump into part two of our interview with Simon Blakely. Um, definitely go check out part one of this if you haven't listened to part one of the interview yet I, I give a proper introduction for the man there but just quickly he's an ex-professional rugby player played played for Vipia Stormers uh, represented SI under 21 in 2004 and he is very prominent within the club scene playing and coaching and coaching at his high school um, coaching being a big part of his passions in part two of this interview, we mainly talk about rugby youth development, particularly within South Africa, and the movie Invictus, and the role that he played within the movie Invictus. So, please enjoy part two of this interview with Simon Blakely. What do you feel about like how the like this, this it's not the academy system but like how youth development happens within so we've had this debate on our side dip and i about how youth development happens in africa but having been in the system um how do you feel youth look, development actually works properly in south africa there's a look you and i both know that there's a lot of poaching oh, going on a lot of guys poaching oaks from unions i mean most of the bulls oaks are most of them are from well, not all of them, but a lot of them. And, and it plays, yeah. So they, they, they yeah. one thing about the bulls, yeah, and all the sharks. The youth structure is very good. Uh yeah, in the Western Province, not so good. And yeah. I think that's why a lot of guys leave. Yeah. 
That's how they've started now with the Province Academy mm. and I know the Sharks Academy. Sharks Academy is also very good. Yeah. Um, and I, now they've started now with the Western Province Rugby Academy. Because I know mm. back in my day, if you were talented, you played age group rugby, you got a contract. You got a junior contract. I see they've done away with that now. So a lot of guys are in the system, but they're not yeah. getting paid. So, which is, I don't know if there's no budget anymore. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know why it's working like that. Because, I mean, to keep Oak, I mean, say the guy stays in Stellenbosch and your, your academy is at Newland. That, it's in that own guy's, yeah. he has to get to practice himself, his own vehicle. I know sometimes they help out with petrol and stuff. But, you know, then he technically he has to become a, a he's, if he's not studying, he has to be a working man technically still trying to play provincial rugby. We, at other unions, I know the setups are a lot higher. You stay at the high performance center, you you looked after financially. We, I think, yeah, yeah at Western Point. Yeah. 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 I, so, think that's, so I, I think that's huge. We Back in my day, you got junior contracts. Now, this, this the concept has changed now to high performance training and looking at, mm. at that setup. But with that, uh, let me just jump in here. I'm thinking, you know, o over the past 10, 15 years or so, we've kind of seen the club rugby scene, um, you know, go a little bit backwards. Um, not as prominent as it used to be. And so, and, you know, kudos to to SO Rugby to try and get, you know, the Community Cup going and, and you know, try and rejuvenate club rugby. But I'm just thinking that, I feel that club rugby should play a significant role in the development of young players, um, even even at high school level. You know, I think it would be very beneficial for clubs and schools to kind of link up and build relationships, um, kind of maybe you know expose some of the youngsters to to a club rugby structure, even in in while while they're at schools potentially. You know, like if if you have a local club and they can sort of integrate with the community and, and the schools and you know even before this the kids leave school they can be involved and be a part of the club i think that could help a lot in you know sharing of in of, of knowledge and expertise you know club coaches coming to help school coaches coming to help at schools and you know these guys then going back into the club system because it almost sounds that if you didn't play well enough at age group level to get that junior contract or now to make it into yeah. an academy, you're going to have you, a, definitely a hard is. road Look, to get I don't know how it is out in Joburg and in Durban, but the club rugby in Cape Town is quite strong. Um, very strong, actually. Um, people are throwing a, money, a lot of money around yeah. here. Uh, obviously, with um, um, sponsorship and stuff like that. But then again, if you don't belong to the top 10, to, you're not mm. going to be seen. Um, like Dimitri. You know Dimitri Katrikelis? Yeah. I played, you played first team with me at Falls Bay. And that's how you yes. got noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're at the right club, you're playing good rugby, you, you, you can get noticed. But then again, you have to be at the right club. Um, that's how it works. Like a Stellenbosch University type yeah. of thing, um, UJ. Because yeah. it was always, if you were in a, you see, uh, in a university setup, 
it would be easier for you as well. But now the clubs in Cape Town are doing quite well for to be at like a semi-pro level. So yes, you're a working man playing sort of training like a, yeah. a provincial player. Then, um, like Dobson said, it's easier for him to choose from those clubs because when the guy comes into his setup, um, he doesn't have to work too hard with the guy because you know his fitness is there, his strength is there, the skills are there. So a lot of guys felt in that, like I said, that's in Western Province. I don't know he's out yeah. at the Sharks or in in, De, in Joburg. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yes. But but yes. with that, you know, Correct. it's still only going to be some of these big prominent clubs, and I think I think we could we could benefit if we increase the competition or the level of competition in in other clubs as well. So, so I mean, instead of there being five big prominent clubs, we need to have 10 and expand it to 15 and 20. You know, Look, at the, ba- the chat has been going around for many years. Um, club level. It's, it's fallen away now, but you remember, guys, remember the Vodacom Cup? We, as players, felt that they should have done away yeah. with that. Yeah. And let those guys go play club rugby and use that money and invest in club rugby. And that's what we felt at the time. Yeah. And I still feel that should be, yeah. I mean, invest in the clubs, put the money in the clubs instead of having this tournament. I, I, I agree with I you. mean, I, I would know watching the Vodacom game, the, 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 the stadiums were empty. You wouldn't know who's going to go watch a Vodacom. It's unknown. So you know what I mean? We put that money in a club. Yeah. It's a family day. You'll have more people at the field. Even if it's, if it's certain games get televised, you know, you, you'll have more pool. If a guy knows, oh, I'm going to be on TV. You know yeah. what I mean? Today's a TV game. Playing my artist today. TV game. You know what I mean? Then you're going to get more pull. Then players are going to be like, when they leave school, I'm going to go to that club. Yeah. I'm going to go to that club. And and building from that now, given that you know the technology has improved and you don't need all the technical equipment to go and broadcast a match like it used to be before you can you know get a couple of guys with you know um some standard equipment uh yeah we see now where where schools are basically live streaming their own games yeah. you know and there, there potentially is a way where a club can you know live stream all of their matches with you know you know somewhat minimal investment to get it at a, at a decent quality but at the very least, you can provide exposure a lot easier now than it used to be before. So I fully agree with you that, yeah, like money going to the club system and 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 you know developing a model. I agree that 100%. Can showcase Look, also in the club system. A monster was beneficial. unleashed in club rugby. The monster being players getting paid ridiculous amounts of money at certain clubs. Yeah. So what you'd end up finding that there'd be like a player drain to that certain club because that yeah. club is paying say two to three grand a game compared to the out down the road is only paying five fifty. But you do not know this. What? Yeah, there's a lot of money in club rugby. If you Where was the I? Right club <laughs> see I have to be careful what I say, you know. Um <laughs> <laughs> look no. I'm honest with you, we are, Let we us know if we need to edit out anything. <laughs> who don't play provincial rugby now. We have played at the top rugby <laughs> top flight now. We're playing at the club, earning three grand a game and probably five to six grand retainer every month, plus working. 
for two days a week practice. So money like that is getting getting thrown around here in, yeah. in, in, in the Western Cape. But like I said, if you've got a massive sponsor, your club's going to do well that year. That's just how it works. Yeah. If you don't have a massive sponsor, you're not going to do well. You're not going to get the, the players that you need. Yeah. That is. That is. And it is. And that's yeah. why we, I think there was a meeting held not too long ago. Where it's so unfortunate to hear that. Like, Look, here, we want to keep our players. So let's come like to a standard rate. Like you get different tiers of players. So if you're an ex-provincial player, you're going to get this. You're a good club player, you're going to get this. Upcoming, you're going to get this. So that the guys yeah. get to keep their players, man. So there is not many club hopping happening. Yeah. So at least like a salary cap type yeah. of thing that yeah. they do like in England. Yeah. But hopefully there was a club that's that throwing ridiculous amounts of money around where guys like uh, Jakuchos, Johan Ackerman, all played for this club and they were getting ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, I think a normal oak yeah. don't, uh, doesn't even earn that as a salary for what they were getting for two, for two, two days a week practice. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> Dream job for them, but yeah, that's not on. And it doesn't help with that. That's a that's a big problem. You're hindering the growth of young players at that point by having all these guys come to this level. Isn't there normally a restriction as to yes. how players who play at a certain play level can't come still, back to therapy? Um, you, if they play you, you of play and you say injured or whatever, and you would get back. You had to go play club rugby to get back your fitness. That. It's not like that anymore. So if you're injured provincial player, you do your whatever, how long your period is mm. of rehab, and then you're back in the setup. And then they're slowly breeding. Which I feel, if you're a provincial player, whichever area you live in, that's yeah. a club you should play for, and then until you're sort of fitness. And I think also if you're a provincial player playing at your club, there's going to yeah. be a pull for players to come to that club as well. Yeah. Yep. Because I remember a few years ago when Keegan Daniel was playing <laughs> again, Devon Collegians again, after having him and Jake White were having some tension. And that was like pretty cool to watch. <laughs> pretty cool to watch. Well, watch from my side. Watch so from I think a lot, of, a lot has to change <laughs> in SRA rugby with coming with development, like you guys said. There's a lot of work that's still need to be done. We, we New Zealand and Australia and the guys in Europe yeah. are far ahead of us. I mean, if you speak to the guys overseas, and then they come here, they can't believe the amount yeah. of um, talent we have in this country. We have a ridiculous amount of talent. There's actually too many players, if you think about it. And that's where the player drain comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. No, we, we produce way too much talent um, for what we can accommodate. Yes. Um, and and I do think we yeah, will always yeah. be a rugby exporter. It's it's going to be as simple as that, which is which is not wrong, you know. Um, you know, it it's still that we have to accept that this is a professional sport, and guys do need to make financial decisions. And if we do have structures that can provide opportunities for for young players yeah. and men and women. Um, whether that be in South Africa or outside, I'm 100% for it. Um, and I do feel that sometimes 
or personally, I feel that there's a perception that, you know, South African rugby hasn't really fully embraced, you know, what professionalism can offer you. You know, like it it still sometimes feel like, you know, club rugby is, is, you know, amateur. Like, yeah, it's it's sort of amateur rugby in the sense of like what it means from a financial aspect. But, you know, we can still run these organizations in a very professional way, plug them into the system, you know, like have everything built from the ground up you know, where at every level it's and, about and a lot maximizing of is, the opportunity for the, the youngsters now through. are chasing the money, which is sad. But you know, at the end of the day, yes, you have to yeah. look after yourself. Yes, you have to make money while playing the sport, but it shouldn't be your only reason why you're playing the game. It's not for like that for all Oaks, but for majority it is. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to make money. And wherever the money is, that's where I'm going to go. That's just how it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. Yes. Personally, I don't see any problem with that. That is what professional... It's a business. And, you know, at the end of the day, that kind of is what it's about. The, the, the place where I will line is, um, you know... At schoolboy level, I, I have a problem with the amount of like the professionalism I see in schoolboy level. That yeah. I think is a concern. But what, once you're 18 and you're an adult, you know, uh, make your own decisions, whether that is for financial reasons or whether you love the game, that is on you. If, if you are good enough to do the job, follow the money. I don't see any problem with that. But yes. I, I feel that for the youngsters, you know, it really should be about the love of the game. Yep. Do you guys have to... Do you guys deal a lot with people trying to poach players um, at a young age and during school years? Because, I mean, especially at Backfleet, I would imagine the the club, yes. this is the bigger, the, the so-called biggest schools so, around. Like, yeah, they have scouts and stuff, so, but, like, most of the guys are getting poached at primary school level already. And then they're getting bursaries and stuff, like... I'll give you a bursary for your whole rugby career yeah. at this high school, but you have to play a team. Like the, that's the kind of like requirements you have to perform every year, year on year, for you to fulfil your bursary. But I think you guys sort of know that already. Yeah, uh, our school. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we are in a rugby. We were in a rugby yes. bursary school. We are the famous poaching yeah. school. It's, it's got, <laughs> Every year we go through the it's same It's gone so thing. bad that our rival school refuses to play us because of how many players we push from them. <laughs> yet, yet in the last two years, they yeah. were beating us. So I don't know what they're complaining once. about. They beat us once in 15 years. <laughs> I think that was the issue. Not really. <laughs> um, but we were basically, we were pushing here from every Eastern Cape school possible. So that was part of the big problem. Um, but yeah. So shifting on to the other big act of your career. Um, the act. <laughs> I'll try to make that sound more dramatic. <laughs> I like that one. I like it. <laughs> that one time you were in a hundred million dollar movie. Um, so yeah. So yeah. Yeah. How much did you get? <laughs> um, Chester. Okay, before we get, so how did you end up in that movie? Chester, the first? 
was my connection to the movie. Just really. Invictus, by the way, for those listening. Yeah. Um. Obviously, he he, uh, he coached me when I was at the Pumas. Had you coached coach at the time? He coached me when I was at Poland. How? And um. Yeah. Mr. Pink Pumas. <gasps> oh, that's right. He was at the Pumas. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, I'll send you guys a picture. It was actually a, a pretty <laughs> yeah, awesome, um, uh, It's Lovely. called my team. The, I think Waste Man or something like that. Um, yeah. I think it was very silly that the Pumas didn't go with it because yeah. the amount of money he was wanting to pump into the Union and have a tour every year to France to play three games in France. But yeah, seriously, yeah. And then Wait, they the, we put it forward. No, to because the pink jersey. Chester brought forward and said, "This is the sponsor. I'm, I'm this is outgoing. This is whatever." And then the money we were going to get as players. I mean, it's a small union. Think about it. And the money the guys were going to get and the sponsorship and just to travel as well would have been yeah. amazing. But then, because the Pumas were affiliated with the Lions, it did not go down too yeah. well. So I'd never, I'd never, we played one game so the in those jerseys, and that was against the Cats. Uh, I have a picture of that, and it was no, the first and last no. time we ever played in those jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yo. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That would be perfect. I yes. am sitting here broken hearing that. I mean, I, I was I was born in Vitpunk. That's where they played. Like, I grew up there going to watch the Pumas play in Vidbank Stadium. And like that's my team. That is my actual rugby team. Um, I, I mean, I was, I was so bummed. I would have loved it if, if they were good enough to, to be in Super Rugby and so forth. You know, um, had to then support Bulls. You had you know, to. In, in you had no choice. They held a gun to your head. But I had to. I had to. Yeah. You know, because it's got to be my dad and my brothers at that time. They really didn't give me much of a choice, eh? And it sucks to hear that, you know, no. here's this opportunity afforded to one of the smaller clubs. And at that time, you know, they, they weren't at a yeah. franchise level. It's great that they recently obtained franchise uh, status. But what a difference that could have made for the development of rugby in the area, you know? And there's a lot of rugby talent in Pumalanga that you know could have been facilitated for them to stay there the pumas you know if, if you look at them yeah they it's a brilliant organization actually if you look at the talent that they produce that go on to other unions yes, yes. it's fantastic but they've had to adopt that model to pay the bills essentially you know but they were never yeah. allowed the opportunity to retain the talent they've built which is sad you yeah. Yeah, you called me so one day. What, did, so it's gonna be a movie, so what did Chester uh, say to about you? the Rugby World Cup, 95 World Cup? Um, um, I would like you to come and try it for it. I didn't know much about it. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I had to go to gardens, out in gardens in town. It was a big rugby field. Yeah. So I get there. It's only Chester and some guy with a camera. I'm like, okay, where's everybody else? He say, he whispers to me. He's like, you already got the pot. Just go over the flow. <laughs> So, uh, to kick a ball, uh, to make a tackle, <laughs> to do something line out lifts. Okay, wow. And it was like 20 minutes, and then he's like, tune Joburg next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so, he said to me, so he was just making play, it look like he was uh, going to the person properly scouting. And um, you are going to do this. And then, cool. And then yeah. the weeks up to going to Joburg, we had to do a lot of like um, training with the rest of the guys, like on the field, like, because there were some heavy unfit oaks. So, yes, you look like the oak, but you probably haven't played rugby in the last 10 years. So, there was a lot of that happening yep. just to get the guys sort of match fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, I. I, I was what did you know about Oliver Brown? Following so, New Zealand, so, besides our own rugby, or also my hero, but following um, New Zealand sport and their players like Zinzan and all those guys. From 95. So I knew quite a bit. I knew he was a hard oak. I knew he was a good scrummager. So I knew quite a bit about Olive. Yeah. Do you know that Os said yeah, that yeah. Olive Brown also, is uh, I didn't have a yeah, neck. probably this, just head and the best tight head that he's ever scrummed against? <laughs> 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 Head and shoulders. <laughs> so on set, were you guys allowed to freely interact with like the Matt Damon no, well, stuff? Or the thing is, what was nice about Matt, you were told he didn't make distant. it out that he was a big Hollywood star and don't come near me, which I think a lot of stars are like that. I mean, bro, we went out with him. We went for supper with the Oak. We went clubbing with the guy. Yeah. But obviously you'd be in like a hoodie or a beanie. Can't imagine Matt. Yeah, and and can't imagine Matt was <laughs> of size. Oh no, he's quite a small oak. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was about to get to that because I was reading up a little bit about the the trivia of uh, the movie Invictus and. Francois. Matt Damon was concerned about his heart because he he met Francois Pinot and he was just like, oh my word, Francois is huge compared to him. And he went to Clint Eastwood and was like, how is this going to work? You know, I'm I'm just too small. And Clint was just like, don't worry about it, I'll sort it out. Yeah. And Clint had to go and figure out how to do all the shots yeah. to make him appear yeah. the right height. Uh, and with, Clint with and Clint, Morgan, I shook both their hands, legend Oaks. Did, did. So chilled. I mean, massive stars. I mean, you would, I mean, Oaks were like, I want to say yeah. the word, like in their pants when they met the Oaks. But And then you meet the Oak and he's like, he's like a normal guy. He's like, so chilled, talks to you. And I was like, yes, yeah. legend. Oh, legend, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, in between takes, we would like play some touches and stuff. And did Matt Damon involved. come play some touch rugby with you oh, guys at act. least? Like, like, did he get involved in some of the rugby stuff? Yeah, he did. <laughs> did you eventually learn to play some rugby? What? what? There's a scene in the movie. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, sorry, is it? Okay, the one question I've had. Yeah. Uh, oh no! Can you just explain the scene? The my best on Scott Eastwood. Where I grabbed Matt Damon. I think I sent you the picture. Yes. I I didn't uh, see him at all. So, 
so yeah, we had, there was a yeah. there's a fight in in the World Cup yes. that happens like a yes. hardy body yes. something happens. I think it's a late tackle of Lomu or something, and a, a fight breaks out. So we had to replay that scene. So that yeah. happens, and then the first person I grabbed, I just looked up. It was Matt, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh no, what am I gonna do now? So I just, <laughs> so I just had to, I just had to look him around a bit. I just had to like turn around a bit just to. <laughs> He's like. <laughs> did anybody try to help him learn how to drop kick because I was watching the movie and I was I was laughing my head I always laughed him so it was between a mate of mine actually was actually his body double Warren so Warren was his body double for the kicks so all the kicks you see happen that's Warren but that yeah I mean you can see his stance with the drop goals and stuff like that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. like I remember like I could see when the body double kicks properly and like yeah that's a good drop kick but suddenly every time Scott catches yeah. it, I don't know whether he never understood how to drop properly or it just all looked yeah. uncoordinated. It's just... Yeah, different like Who was there? So, in your opinion, who had the worst No, Scott. Definitely worst Scott. accent that you heard and, attempt and a South that, African accent. They had some other Oak as well played. Ruben Kruger, Kruger, he was an American NFL player. I think he was the biggest guy on the field. <laughs> I, I like it. Ruben Kruger was big, yeah. but he's not NFL big. Yeah. In the movie, you can hear that American accent coming through. He was also yeah. one that very bad South African accent. Oh, my. <laughs> so, how much um, like preparation did you do for this? Um, you guys had to recreate these rugby scenes and what was sort of the process involved with that and yeah how, how was it you know on the body because you're saying some of these guys came in they were quite unfit haven't played in a long time and you have to as best as you can recreate you know the feeling of so, so the rugby th- impact, do a lot of us you know? especially um, in new zealand yeah the whole new zealand how, how was that for you personally and for some of the others that were currently there? playing so we still said, if this was a real game, we would thrash yeah. the spot, the Springboks, <laughs> because a lot of the guys <laughs> in the Springbok side were like 13, 14 players, <laughs> but because they looked the part, they got the part. Where in my New Zealand setup was a lot of ex-provincial players or guys still playing proper yeah. rugby. But um, there was a lot of physios on site and doctors. So if you had a niggle, they sorted you out quickly. <laughs> um, a lot of rub downs. Because, yeah. <laughs> like I said, you get yeah. there at 7 in the morning and you leave at 5 in the afternoon in the evening. So it's a whole day, every day, bro. It's, it was hectic on the body. A lot of ice baths. Yeah. Proper. 
were the scrums well, real lockdowns or was it the like very first basically standing take we ever did when we the yeah. very first were on the field right everybody's in front of the cameras so we were going to do the kickoff starting kickoff cool and they said action goes we all knew what to do go yeah and like two minutes in they shot cut and you see Chester chat to Clint Eastwood, and then he comes to us, calls us both both squads in. He tells us to make a circle around him, but now we're in the middle of the pitch. And he just starts swearing and going boss. And we're like, okay. And he's like, you re- this is a movie. Yeah. This is Invictus. This is about, you know, it's, it's history. And, um, and you guys are stuffing this up. And you guys, I want full-on contact. <laughs> After that, bro, the next yeah. take, it was just full-on contact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I personally would have been so happy to hear that because I, I love a good contact physical game, and I imagine for you guys, you know, still being quite active at that time. Yeah, like if we're gonna do this. Yeah. Because I mean, Let's I think as you as especially you people know, that know right, out, I mean, make it also as remember, as we can there's a lot of countries, a who, and you're representing New Zealand. They're going to be watching the movie. Yeah, you're going to pick up immediately if that's real or not. You don't go half-heartedly into a rugby tackle. Or, you know. Yeah. So it was so all the tackles and stuff you see, and yeah, the yeah. sounds you hear, that's real. It's all real. Oh my! So that was. Staged. I'm just having a staged. camera underneath you at a scrum. Or could you not see it? So that. So, so yeah, what they did was they made a a wooden box. Was, yeah, that would have been so intense to try. With a cut-out piece of perspex, and the cameraman would lay in this box, and then we, the front row and locks, would engage. Yeah. And then we all had to pull faces, and then he would record from the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So most of the time, it's like you are in the toilet <laughs> game number two. Tap a face. Was that the top of the face? Yeah. So from that, so those shots were all staged, but the, oh, the rest of the shots brilliant. inside, that's all real. So when we were in Cape Town, we had this guy who taught and us. And with the hunker, who taught you guys? Right. And then, yeah, no, yeah. that oak is a legend with it coming to hunkers. But anyway, so we had this guy. He taught us, and then we thought we had it down. Then we flew flew down to Joburg. We had a one or two days with this guy again, just to go over everything. Then the next day. On the third day, this guy does not there anymore. So we're like, okay, they they don't tell us why. So then we had to go yeah. to meet at some virgin active in a studio, all the New Zealanders. And then there's this oak, and in that picture I sent you, he's the one leading the haka. I sent it to you. To, I sent it to you this morning. So that guy. So we found out yeah. that this oak is the actual guy. That does the New Zealand hackers, who teaches yeah. them the hackers. Yeah. Right. So he comes in the studio. We don't know who he was, but oh. he's heavy tattooed everywhere. 
like Maori tattoos. Um, solid oak, not big. And then he says to us, show, show me what you've learned. Halfway through, yeah. <laughs> halfway through, he tells us to stop. And he says, if I had to show that to my country, I'd be, I'd be very, very disappointed. And we're like, yeah. okay. But with him, we were like, but this is what oak taught us. He's like, well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> So they fired the guy. <laughs> and then and then he let us watch him do it. The intensity yeah. that he did it at, we were like, <laughs> what the hell? And he's like, that yeah. is how you do a haka. That's how, when we did it, I mean, every day, the, whichever crowd came in and sat in the stands to be the spectators, after every take, every day, I'm not even lying to you, every day, they would ask us to do the haka because they would hear, hear from the previous day that how intense it was. Yeah. And that's the intense that he brought over to us and that's what he wanted to see in the movie. Now, he was next level. He yeah. was a... He, he, yeah, he is hectic. Did you give you like, the background as to why it needs to be that intense? Yeah, so apparently there's haka for every tribe in New Zealand. Yeah. And that's why you'll see certain times, you guys will be, you know, there's certain hackers for different games that they'll do. And that's mm. for every tribe that they have in New Zealand. So yeah. every tribe has their own hacker. Okay. The one that the New Zealanders normally do throughout the years, that's the one that, that were, that's like one of the more famous ones. Yeah. Okay. That is intense. It's just <laughs> So, so moving on from the haka, and I want to, I want to actually get a little bit more back to the rugby aspect of Invictus, and you know, of the match that was played on that day. And I was just wondering, Simon, can can you remember the two starting lineups of that in, day in the actual game or in the in the set? The actual game. I mean, like we wouldn't know who okay, was all the Zealand guys acted Dard, and so forth. Shortford, but um, yeah, yeah, Craig like Dodge, Shortford, Patrick, Olo Brown, Ian Jones, um, Robin Brook. It was Zinzan Brook. It was um, ah, the two flankers now. I see their faces now, but I can't say it now. Then it was Bashup. It was Andrew Mertens. It was. Outside center was Jason Little. Inside center was. I saw his face now. I can't see his name now. And then the wings was Lomu. Jeff Wilson, fullback, was Osborne. All right. You you, you, you missed out. Um, all right. So the two faces yes, uh, Mike yes, Brewer, yes. Josh Cronfield. Inside center was. Cronfeld. Josh Kronfeld. Uh, the centers were Walter Little Frank was at Bunce. inside, and then they had Frank go. Bunce yeah. at 13. Yeah. Yo, that's not bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure, you did very well to put you on the spot yeah. like that. Uh, that was... And for the SA1, <laughs> now I'm expecting you to be 15 for the SA team, eh? Chris Rousseau, Bali Swart. Um, Andrews played eighth man that game. And then was Francois yes. Pina and one flank, 
Other flank was Ruben Krier. The locks was uh, Hannes Stredom. And why can't I think of the other one now? Was it Strauli? No, not Strauli. Nope, his uh, coffee's at Erie Hospital. Yeah, no, no, no. No, he had a famous punch in the semi final. He's been to any hospital in the last five years. His coffee's there. It's terrible, but it's there. <laughs> I can't think of the other lock now. Kevin is Uist. Then it was Joel Stransky, Henny LaRue, Yapi Mulder, um, Chester, James Small, and Andre Jubert. I just can't think of that lock now. Corpus <laughs> Visser. <laughs> oh damn! Yep, of all the people, of all of them. He has a show. Who <laughs> <laughs> can so you close. miss? Quivers. How can you miss Quivers? How can you? But <laughs> going, I mean, you probably had to watch the game. Yeah. I mean, watching it over and over, but like when you guys had to replay the scenes on the field, did it feel a bit surreal for you? Yeah, it was hectic to know at this point in that time, especially that part in the movie where we had to do when Joel wins the game for us. Um, I mean, we all had to look at the polls, and I was like thinking, okay, at that time, Ole Brown got up, looked at the polls, and saw it's over. So it's, yeah, it's quite hectic. Yeah. Also, were there's many, I don't remember watching, I watched the 95 World Cup a few weeks ago because COVID. Um, but like, were there as many, I don't remember as many scissors or like, they kept doing lots of scissors in the movie. Was that just Clint Eastwood's favorite shot? Or was that just generally, because I feel like they would do way more was, in yeah, the movie. Than I think that that's pretty strict. I don't think they did it as much in the actual game. Yeah. No. No, they didn't. Um, I mean, I, I have um, a DVD of that final and watched it a few times. And I mean, as as you know, in a rugby match, it's a little bit uh, more free flowing. And even at that time, set piece moves. You know, it it wasn't the case of all right every time we're gonna you're gonna have a scrum and you're gonna do a backline set piece move. Just by that stage, yeah. you know, we've already kind of yeah. moved on from that that mindset. But the reason I, I feel that they did a lot of stuff for the movie is that it gives you the appearance of some backline move happening, which is easier to film without having the guys do, yeah. Yeah. you know, like a full-fledged backline move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, post, I, I don't think there was a lot of... Yeah. yeah. No, so, there were, so you just came on, please? No, I was saying, like, in the movie, I, actually, now you're saying, I can actually see it now. There was a lot of inside passes, a lot of um, switches now that you actually say it, so I said it. Yeah. And post the movie, did you guys get a chance to go to the premiere together with the guys? Yes. Or did you have to wait a few more months before watching? Um, no, they got us all together and we went to go watch it. Yeah. And Joe Big. Where was the premiere? How did that feel? That was awesome. I was lekker, just to watch. But also, after did we were done um, shooting, 
to the final day shooting whatever yeah um a couple of days afterwards we got called into this the towel and the hideout this whole section and then everybody was involved it was us in the spring box at the time and then obviously all the crew yeah and then they gave us a little sneak preview of what was to come that was that was cool yeah. And then how did it feel a few months later when you saw how well the movie was doing? Yeah, it, was in, it was hectic. I mean, I then I started getting calls from overseas for, for movies. It's <laughs> <laughs> coming. They, they, yeah, they needed a, 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 to play an, an NFL movie. I can't remember the movie's name now. And they needed a linebacker. And then there was another movie. It was, it was hectic. And I started getting all these calls. But I'm like, bro, I'm in South Africa. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, tackle, like, what? Where? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever considered it? And, and did none no. of them offer? No, no, I actually didn't prefer. pursue any of them after that. No. Ah. <laughs> yeah. oh. Okay. So as we sort of get towards the end and start wrapping up, what are sort of some of the thoughts that you have in terms of like how South Africa rugby can improve from its current position? Because we have like, I think in the Western Cape alone have more rugby players than New Zealand has as a nation. How, how yeah. what are some ways you think we can improve our rugby to be actually, and be the world powerhouse that we should be? And this also I includes like an admin to... level because you've, you've dealt personally with admin yes. status. I just think they must be more involved. I mean, they need to be more from school to rugby, to to high school to and development, big push on development, yeah. and and just you know, you always find out that New Zealand comes up with this new thing, and then the whole world is doing it. Or Australia comes up with this new thing, and the whole world does it. Like we need to also be on that abandoning in a way we are reinventing and redoing doing new stuff like. I think the mentality in South Africa is, yes, we play a four-dominant game because we're all big and strong, yeah. but you must also be versatile, um, which you've, you yeah. see in New Zealand and Australia. They don't. They have some big guys, and then they'll have years where they have no big guys, but then they they still win World Cups with those non-physically big oaks because they just adapt. And I think that's what we as a nation yeah. need to also adapt. Yeah. And if you say, let's say there's a young prop sitting at home thinking about, you know, he's now in this COVID period, sitting at home, what is some advice you give him? If I had advice for him, I would say, if you really have the dream to play big rugby, provincial rugby, SA rugby, put in the work. You're not going to make it just by sitting yeah. on your butt. Do the hard yards. I mean, that's an island. I was lucky enough to have a, a father that asked me what I wanted to do. I told him, and he pushed me every day. And I, I, I think if he didn't push me the way he did, I would not have achieved what I achieved. Um, and some guys can't do it themselves. Some guys just need to push. Some guys just need a, a helping hand. And if you do, ask for it. Um, if you can't do it yourself, do it. It's not going to come to you. I mean, yeah. is how many other pl millions of other players that want the same goal that you want at the end of the day who wants it more. Yeah. More. Okay. 
Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I think let's uh, let's yeah. end it off there. Thanks, thanks, Simon. That was insightful. It was awesome, awesome to talk to you. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that you know those listening will as well. Uh, I also want to take the opportunity just to say, um, you and me have been talking about you know doing more podcasts, particularly um, on coaching, coaching aspects, and so forth. Um, so for those listening, yeah, we will have you back and, you know, tackle these interesting uh, topics we've had. I, I think we, we touched a little bit about this and there's a lot to explore in terms of coaching, youth development. It's something that I personally and Kaya as well, we feel strongly about because, you know, the future is the youth um, and that is for rugby as well. You know, whether that is the players up-and-coming coaches, administration staff, you know, um, everyone has a role to play in the game that we love. And we, um, you know, want to put the spotlight on them and also, yeah, like build build and create opportunity for the youngsters coming through so we can, you know, have this long-term success. So you and me will do a bit more um, on that in future yeah. podcasts for everyone to... So for the one last thought, if I were to ask you yeah. about this, um, what did, you, did you watch this morning's game? No, I didn't. Okay, no comment then. <laughs> yes. I saw the results. I saw the highlights. I watched the, yeah. Did you see the results? <laughs> yeah, I just want to know, did, did you see the result? Father and son. Uh, Father and son there, eh? Yes. The father's going to be very, in lots of pain tonight. <laughs> Mm. Can you imagine uh, getting a phone call from your son afterwards? Be like, Dad, how did I play today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you probably find not going to answer that call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aren't you proud of me, Dad? <laughs> I mean, I'd see the phone ringing and look away. <laughs> the audacity. Can I come back home? <laughs> <laughs> right guys uh, Actually, thanks so much Simon have a lucky day alright thanks yeah. Simon you too man have a lucky day there and uh, yeah I'll chat to you again soon my man right, keep well that side and that's a wrap of our interview with Simon Blakely Simon thank you so much for joining us and being open to share your thoughts and opinions on our beloved game of rugby. We very much appreciate it, and we hope to speak to you again soon. Let's jump into our Boyki of the Week, and this week's Boyki is none other than Coach Rassi Erasmus. It turns out that he had to undergo chemotherapy before and during the World Cup last year in Japan for a disease known as microscopic polyangitis with granulomatosis. Don't ask me what it is. It just says it's an autoimmune disease. Uh, this disease, although it's not cancerous, can severely impact the lungs, kidneys, sinuses, and the trachea. And apparently it was a rare strain of this disease that was potentially fatal. Uh, from what we know, uh, during the World Cup, his chemotherapy dosage had to be reduced so that he was able to pay full attention to during the Rugby World Cup. Um, and he said that he, he had some real doubts that he could even 
yeah, coach during that period of time. Uh, so he was undergoing treatment until March 2020 of this year, uh, where it was confirmed that the disease has now dissipated. So Rassi Rasmus, our boyki of the week for not only having to deal with all of the pressures that come with the the most difficult job in world rugby, which is being the Springbok coach, but that he had a serious health concern at the same time, had to undergo treatment, and yeah, still did what he did. I wonder um, who actually knew about about all of this while it was going on, and um, yeah, it, it it would have been it would be quite interesting for me if if the team had known about this and 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 so forth. I wonder if he would have wanted to not burden them with that information or whether he was open about all of that during his time uh, there in Japan. So Rassi makes it onto our Boiki team. The Boiki 15 team is looking solid now that we have a head coach of Rassi Erasmus. Eddie Jones is going to be our assistant coach, you know, because, um, yeah, I mean... Eddie, 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 you know, he, he just chirps New Zealand rugby, which is amazing, but it, it's not at the level that, that Rassi went through. But just imagine a coaching combination of Rassi Erasmus and Eddie Jones. That would be quite epic. So, yeah, definitely the squad and the team and the coaching staff is growing off the Boiki 15, and we're looking forward to see who else is going to make it onto our Boiki squad. Um, just, just take a quick tap and take a look at the upcoming matches in round three of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Saturday at nine in the morning we have the Blues versus the Highlanders at Eden Park in Auckland. I think this is a straightforward one. I'm tipping the Blues to win. I think this could yeah easily be uh, two try margin plus. And then Sunday we have at half past five in the morning. Remember to set those alarm clocks for those in South Africa, we have the Crusaders versus the Chiefs at Orange Theory Stadium in Christchurch. Uh, I think this is going to be the Crusaders for the W. Um, they are just, they haven't lost a home game in how many years. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to buck that trend. And the Chiefs, I don't think the Chiefs showed us that much to convince us that they are in a position to take on the Crusaders. So, definitely on your super brew do the safe thing pick the crusaders uh just a heads up um i will be previewing uh the the saturday game with the blues and the highlanders and kai will preview the crusaders and chiefs match uh similarly with uh we will also cover live tweets for those matches so do keep an eye out for that you can expect the first preview to drop on friday and uh, kai will drop his previews on saturday so with that let's wrap up First off, a big, big thank you once again to Simon Blakely for having this interview with us. We are in the works of doing something uh, semi-regularly with him in the future. Do keep an eye out for that. Information will follow shortly. Also, on that note, from next week, uh, the main event will be once again a conversation between me and Kaya. I'm looking forward to that. Haven't spoken to the man in about two weeks now. So... It's going to be a lot of fun to speak with him again on this podcast. Uh, we also want to give out a big shout out to all our favorite boykies who are on the team and the squad. You guys keep doing what you are doing to make rugby entertaining to all of us. And to you, the listener, thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the main event. 
Bottomless Rugby Podcasts are, re- are released on a weekly basis and available on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and others. So please consider following Bottomless Rugby on those podcast streaming services and on social media to stay up to date with the latest content. So until next week, stay away from your boys, wash your hands often, drink lots of water, and stay safe. Cheers. Cheers.